Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. So keep that in mind. Just because we, well, we don't want to talk about religion, we don't want to talk about salvation, listen, keep in mind, if there's nothing else in your life that maybe you hadn't any good news this week, the gospel message is always good news. The gospel message is always, you want to get out of a, a, a kind of a discouraged, how many had a little discouraging moment this week? Huh? I'm the only one. Come on, raise your hand. I had a little discouraging thing come into your mind. Hey, go out and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for you. Guess what? That discouraging moment will flee away. And if you haven't heard about the good news, hey, that's good news. I didn't know you could know. I wasn't sure you could be sure. I, I have to tell this story over and over again because it's one of the exciting stories of my life. I remember when I got saved and I began to realize I could know for sure that I was going to go to heaven when I died. I could know today. When I found that out, my wife wasn't, wasn't, wasn't nobody in the house but the cat. And the cat wasn't interested in what I had to say. But boy, I, as soon as my wife came home and popped through the door, I remember running up to her and said, Honey, I'm saved! I'm saved! <laughs> she had... Hands are full of groceries and stuff. She looked at me and she wasn't saved. So by the way, you know that didn't mean much to her. And I had just started describing to her the hope of eternal life and salvation. And so it's that so we need to overcome this spiritual correctness. Hey, we've, we hold in our hearts and in our souls, if you're saved, the hope of eternal life and the hope for anybody and everybody around you. We're praying for um, uh, her aunt, uh, Paula's aunt this morning. Why? Because God has placed her in a, with a saved lady in our church. And I promise you, she's going to hear about Jesus. She's going to hear, it while she's in hospice, while she's on that, uh, maybe the last moments of her life, she's going to about to hear about the hope of eternal life. Good news, by the way. She may have to deal with the idea that she's a sinner, but guess what? It's still what? It's good news. That's what the gospel means. Good news. Glad tidings. So that reality check is not only with the idea that we have this correctness. But there's also there that the few, this is important, this idea that a few, that's what slows people down when it comes to the gospel. They think, well, hey, you know, uh, uh, it's not that big a deal. But you know what? Those few people, look in your text today, and you'll see... <clears throat> That those few people someday turns into what? Many. Those few people that didn't have the uh, uh, interest in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the interest in the gospel. And if you're here today and maybe your interest in, in salvation hasn't been the top priority of your life. But let me say this. Where many, few people weren't interested, there'll be a day when everybody will be interested. I think if I was here this morning, I heard, and if you weren't here for Sunday school, I heard the, the reality about hell out of, the, out of Luke chapter 16. If, you go, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with it, Luke chapter 16 is a rich man that died. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he says, they said to Abraham, send Lazarus, and they uh, dip his 
finger in water and cool and touch my tongue. He says, for I'm tormented in these flames. And then he says, you know, he says, well, I can't go over there, Abraham. There's a great gulf fixed between the two. I can't go there. And he says, well, he says, uh, send somebody back. If, if somebody came back from the dead and, and told them about uh, uh, a salvation, about this place, I have five brethren. I don't want them to come here. How many of you think that Lazarus, I think, did his best to get the gospel message to the rich man? How many think that? I believe with all my heart. I think he ignored the, the Lazarus at his gate. I think he had opportunity over and over. And he just didn't have various reasons for whatever reason. We're going to look into that a little bit later. But you have time. But guess what? After he ended up in hell, he, there are many people interested in getting right with God. It's too late. If you're here today... God in His grace and in His sovereignty, and you're not sure whether you're saved, God in His grace and sovereignty has brought you here to hear the truth about salvation. Isn't that good of God? Isn't that great of God that, hey, I wasn't intending on hearing about salvation, but God got me here to hear the reality that I need to be saved. Matthew chapter 7, similar passage. If you want to turn there, in verse 13, the Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So what of this this reality check is that few are interested. There's not many people talking about the gospel. Not many people talking about Jesus. Not many people interested in salvation. He says, but broad is the way that leads where, folks? What's it say in your Bible if you have it open? Where does it lead? To destruction. The broad way. That means most people... I always ask people a question about the Bible. You ever done this, Mohan? You say, what does Jesus say? Most people go to heaven and most people go to hell. You ever ask anybody that question? I do. And people say, well... What did Jesus? I, I, most people say, well, I think most Jesus, Jesus said most people go to heaven. What does your Bible say? The wide is the gate, and many there be that go in thereat. Most people, this, this reality of check is that most people will end up where? I don't, God doesn't want them to go there. We don't want them to go there. That's why it's so important that we, we be the few. Let's make sure that we're out there and, and we're going to go forward in 2016. We're preaching what? The good news. You say, well, they may not listen. It doesn't matter whether they listen or not. That's why this person asks you, there are few to be saved. I mean, you're out here, Jesus, telling everybody about salvation and that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody seems to really care. It doesn't matter whether people listen or not. What are we to be doing as Christians? Come on. We're to be telling the good news, right? We're, we're to, we're to good, the good news of the glad tidings. We don't want, and Jesus doesn't want people to go to hell. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter number 7, if you're there, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. God says few there be. 
Not many are going to find salvation. But just because there's not, according to the Bible, most people aren't looking to go to heaven, that does not diminish the responsibility we have to get out there and do the work that God's called us to do. And if you're here today, just because nobody else in your family is interested in the gospel, just because, listen, if you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, why don't you be one of the few? Why don't you be one of the few that says, you know what, I, I'm not just going to follow this political correctness that nobody seems to care about salvation. I'm going to find out this about for myself. I'm going to make sure about my eternal security. To be saved is a reality. Not only is this overcoming this spiritual correctness, the idea of few, but look what the third thing is. Reality is to strive. You know, in, in your text in, in Luke chapter number 13, what is the first word that Jesus says? Verse number 24. What is the first word? What does he say? Luke 13, verse 14. Verse, verse 24. What's the first word? Strive. I don't know about you, when I'm striving to do something, when you're striving to do it, you're not going to let anything get in the way, right? I mean, you've got your... You, I, I, if there's one fault your preacher has, is that he gets, he gets central focus. He just gets, he gets the blinders on. He doesn't see anything else at times. And, and that's not good sometimes. But hey, when it comes to getting the gospel out, that ought to be our mindset. Because you know we have an enemy. Did you know we have an enemy? There, we not only have the Lord Jesus that died on the cross, paid the debt for our sin, gave us the Holy Spirit, lives within him, and he is our resident teacher when it comes to the Word of God. He guides you into all truth, but also there's an enemy. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians that we're to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <laughs> now, just because we don't see the devil doesn't mean he isn't a present reality. If you're here and you're not sure whether you're saved, you have a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means he is doing every, as much as the Holy Spirit wants you to be saved and giving you the Word of God and got you to church. There's a devil in this world that's working and opposing the work of God. You know what? I've got good news. You know what that good news is about the devil? You might know. He's already been defeated. He knows he's been defeated. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't still try. He cannot take away your salvation. Isn't that good news? The devil cannot take away your salvation. He may make you miserable, but he cannot take away your salvation. Look in Luke chapter number 13 with me. I'm sorry, we're going to go over to 1 Peter chapter number... We're going to skip that one. 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Look down in verse number 8. 
Let's read that verse together. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8. What's it say? Be sober, be vigilant, because, come on, say it with me, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Miss Paula is with her aunt today. She is an advocate for the Lord Jesus Christ. She is there on His behalf. She's an ambassador. But guess who's there with Him? The devil. And he wants to destroy a life. He wants to bring a life down. You and I are to stand strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today, God doesn't want the devil to win in your life if you're not saved. He, he is doing everything possible to bring you salvation. Let's look at some Bible verses together. Matthew chapter number Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. I want you to get some verses with me. Where does faith come from? Help me out. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by. Word of God. You say, I want my faith to be strong. Where are you going to get it from? Take the time. Let's look at the Bible. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 39. What's the Bible say? The enemy that has... Look back, I'm sorry, in verse 37. And he answered in verse 37 of chapter 13 of Matthew. And he answered and said in the Son... He soweth the good seed as the son of man, and the field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy has sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels and shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend them which do iniquity shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Anybody know who the tares are? Anybody ever, anybody, how many of them have seen wheat in the field? Ah, we got one farm girl. Anybody else? Ah, there's a farm boy. All right. What's a wheat, wheat look like? It's got a, got a, what do they call that thing? The, the comb that's on the top. And then they got the, the part of the, well, they're down there, they have them down the Hobby Lobby, right? The old decorations, the wheat. A tear looks just like a wheat. Anybody know the difference? They look just like a wheat. They stand up taller. Woo! You can always figure them out because they stand up a little taller than all the rest. And you know what else is different about them? If you take a, if you take a, a, a wheat hole and you, take, and you put it in your hands like it when it's ripe, and you roll it in your hands like this, what falls out is the husk and the wheat germ. All falls out on the ground. You take a tear, do the same thing with the head of it, and you roll it together like this. You know what you get? Anybody know? Nothing. There's no fruit inside of it. 
It looks just like a wheat, but there's nothing inside of it. You say, well, what was Jesus referring to when he said this? Listen, there are people in churches look just like everybody else, but they stand out. Because the Bible says, by their fruit, you shall know them. If there's no fruit, listen, I, I hate to say this, but probably even in this church, there might be people here that have been churched all their life, but never have borne fruit. You know, one of the things that always puzzled me I can remember when I got saved, one of the things I so desperately wanted to do, I wanted to break the cycle. Anybody know what I mean by that? I wanted to break the cycle. I, I don't have, I did not come from a lineage of people that were saved in my family. My father, as far as I know, I witnessed to him on his deathbed. As far as I know, he wasn't saved. I pray to God he got saved. I don't know whether he even heard me, but I witnessed to my father on his deathbed. As I speak, my mother is not saved. As far as I know, I may have one or two sisters that are saved. As far as I know, the rest of my brothers are lost. How, do, how many of you know how that, how that makes you feel? How do you feel? You feel terrible, don't you? I, I think and I, I want to break the cycle. I want my children to be saved. I want my grandchildren to be saved. I want my great-great-grandchildren to be saved. The only way that happens is when a person that lives by faith is able to pass on to their children and to their children's children salvation. And this is one thing that I had a burden on my heart. I wanted my children to be saved. Yet I see sometimes, even in the church, parents that say they're saved, born again, but they're not doing anything in their life to say, hey, pointing them to Jesus by the way they live and what they do and the priorities of their life. And saying, wow, what's wrong? How's come the salvation that I got was so, so determined that, please, God, I can remember weeping, saying, God, do something, save my children. The only thing I have is maybe they're a tear. Oh, I pray to God that if you're a person here today and you're not sure, and you have no heart for the things of God, yet you say you claim Christ, then maybe the reality check is that there's no striving. You know, the striving did not stop when I got saved. Did you realize that? That's when the striving began. I had to kick the devil out every day. The devil says, well, you can drink and be a Christian. I, I really? Where's that at in the Bible? Yeah, you, you, can, you, can, you can go run with the old crowd and still be saved. Where's that at in your Bible? Uh, you, can, you don't have to uh, 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 look different about uh, the way you dress. You don't have to be... I said, where's that in the Bible? Listen, the reality is underestimating your enemy. 
He's sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. Look, look at another verse before we move. Matthew chapter 25. Some of you underestimate the devil. Ha. Huh. I tell you what, I, I believe in uh, the reality of, of the devil. I've seen, how many think you've, you've seen some very, very ugly things? Unbelievably ugly things. Matthew chapter 25, look in verse number 41. Jesus spoke of his adversary. Verse 41, Then shall you say also unto them on the left, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Folks, please, think independently. No more group think. Anybody know how you think independently? How do you think independently? Come on, give me, a, give me some help. What's, 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 what's one way we can think independently? So we don't get in caught up in this group thing. Put her up there, Glenn. Nice and high. That's why you have daily devotions. That's why you pray daily. Why was the Bible says that we're to have a new mind? You cannot have a renewed mind without the Word of God. It's impossible. You're gonna you 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 take you take that Bible and you leave it on the shelf for a week. Guess where you started drifting? Come on. Where'd you start drifting? Ooh, you're going right back to where you were. You say, well, no, I'm saying, no, you'll start drifting back. Oh, you won't feel good about it, but you'll start drifting back. You're still a child of God, but your heart will be drifting back. Look in verse number 25 of Luke chapter number 13. Luke chapter 13, look at verse 25. And once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. You know what Bible verse comes to mind when I read that? I remember in the account of Noah and the ark. Remember Noah and the ark? Remember God told Noah to get all the animals in. Chapter 7, verse 16. Let me read it to you. They went in, male and female, of all the flesh, as God had commanded, and the Lord shut him in. God put that little phrase in there. And the Lord did what? He shut Noah in, but guess what else he did? He shut everybody else out. Now the reality here is that saved, you realize that limited opportunity. God determines the length of your life. Did you know that? That's, way, that's why I remember Preacher Vogel used to say, he took it from Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to what? Wisdom. See, if you're here and you're lost, 
Somehow, I mean, if you were in imminent danger and you say, boy, I don't know if I've got another day to live. I don't know if I've got another week to live or another month to live. And I'm hearing about eternity and I'm hearing about, well, hell, and I'm hearing about the reality of it. I guess what? This message would be pretty, pretty top on your mind, wouldn't it? You, you hear and you don't have what you think is, a, <clears throat> you think you've got unlimited opportunity. Why would the Bible says today, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says today, if you'll hear his voice, what? Harden not your heart. You know, when, when you're hearing the preaching of the cross, the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to those that perish is foolishness. But unto us which are saved is the power of God and the salvation. So if you're hearing about salvation and you're hearing about an opportunity for you to be saved, then let recognize who says God has to give you another opportunity. Now, I think God is gracious and I think He gives people... How many think God gives many, many opportunities for people to be saved? Well, I, I believe that with all my heart. But God doesn't have to. Are you listening? God only says, I remember telling you, the Bible says that He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Did you know that? Every person, some way, somehow, God has given them light about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Job said in Job 1, verse 21, and he said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Why? Blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't, God don't owe us anything. He gave us life. He gave us the opportunity to know Christ is our Savior. But listen, you neglect the opportunity that God gives you, whose fault will it be? God's? I dare say not. Limited. Not only God determines the length of your life, because God draws you to Himself. You realize that it's you're hearing it and you're maybe feeling a little pulled and tugged on that. Listen, that's not me and my I'm not a charismatic preacher, by the way. It's not me, but I'm trying to be persuasive, but listen, when I use the word of God and I preach to you what the Bible says, who's trying to draw you? Holy Spirit of God is in me. John chapter number twelve, you may be already there if you're not. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's what your Bible says. Remember that, that's, I used the last week, it talked about the symbol of the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness when they were all being bitten by snakes. And he says, if they look in, at this snake that's on the pole, what did he say? They'll do what? They'll live. The cross, that's why we preach the cross. What, when I, when I, when, it's not because we got a cross up here on the... We don't have a cross. I don't think there's even one up in front, right? There ain't no crosses anywhere in this church. But when I lift up Jesus Christ on the cross, I'm saying, Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the penalty for you. And if you repent and look to Him, what will He do? He'll save you, won't He? How many of you are praying for somebody to be saved? 
You ought to be. Ought to, every hand ought to be up. If you're saved, there ought to be every hand up. I'm praying for somebody to be saved. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. The Bible says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew 22 and 14. Many are called. That means that God at this moment may be calling someone out here. Listen, you need to get saved. You need to turn from your sin and put your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 22, 14 says God's calling you. But some are only chosen because they respond to the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be saved is to realize your limited opportunity because God's drawing you to Himself is not infinite. Boy, recognize this, folks. Maybe this is a little bit of a repeat. But you know, you go back, and I, t I mentioned to you in knowing the ark, you realize God was building that ark. It took 120 years, by the way, to build the ark. That's quite a construction. We're taking one that takes two weeks. God had a construction plan that took 120 years. You say, why did it take so long? Because Mo or Noah was called what? Anybody know what he's called? A preacher of righteousness. Can you imagine him up there hammering and hauling them logs up and nailing those and putting that stuff on the No, what are you doing? Man, I tell you what, I've never seen anything like that. What is that? What's, what's your family doing getting all this stock out here and feeding them and, and all this stuff? Man, what, this is the funniest thing I ever saw. And what do you think Noah said? Better repent. God sees your wickedness. You better give your life to the Lord Jesus. You better trust in the God of heaven because God is going to send a flood. <laughs> yeah, right, Noah. If you're writing these verses down, I want you to write this one down. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. I'm going to read it to you. Genesis chapter number 6 and verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man's spirit. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be the 120 years. So what's he saying? I'm going to get, it says, I'm going to give him 120 years if you live that long. But it's limited. God doesn't always... God is working. God is, you think God strives to see people saved? How many think God strives to see people saved? If God strives to see people saved, what should you and I do? Yeah, it's work. Yeah, it's a strain. Yeah, it changes the way we think, the way we do, what our priorities are. But if God does it, I think we should do too. I'm going to give you a couple more and we're about done. To be saved is to realize your excuses. Look in your text, uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 26. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunken in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. And he shall say, I tell you, and know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. You're not saved by knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing. 
I could give you a, probably 25 verses positive about knowledge in the Bible. I'm imparting knowledge to you now. But you realize knowledge never saved one person? There are people, you know, that, you know one of the worst things, let me stop here for a minute. One of the worst things I think could happen to you, if you're here and you're not saved, is to know the truth about the gospel. To know that Jesus died for you. To know that all you needed to do was repent and turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And you have that knowledge. But you never repent. That means you never surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you end up in hell. Let me tell you, that could be some very painful knowledge. You went to hell. You knew how to be saved. You could be in this church and you could give the invitation at the end saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to say, if you're not sure, please, I'm not going to, you're not going to get saved by coming down front, but you're inquiring. Say, I want to know. And by faith, you're stepping out. I need to know. I want to know. I, I have to know what it needs to be saved. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, if you'll read that with me. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, for, <clears throat> and to receive forgiveness of sins among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. How are they sanctified? Not by knowledge, but by what? By faith. They put the thief on the cross. I always use this illustration. We're about done. Please stay with me. Remember the thief on the cross that repented and gave his life to Jesus? Well, that's exciting, wasn't it? You know what? He didn't have time to get down and get baptized. Did you know that? He didn't have time to get down and do any good works. He didn't have time to go tell his neighbors about Jesus. How in the world did he get saved? By putting his faith in the one that was hanging on the cross beside him. Because he said what? Will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus said what to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Because of his works, because of his knowledge, because of his what? His faith. Romans chapter 3. If you're there with me, Romans chapter number 3, look at verse number 28. Therefore we conclude if that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. We conclude man is justified by faith, made right by faith. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let me ask you this morning, as we close. Are you saved? It's simply is that. You know or you don't. You have the assurance that if you die today, that your home would be in glory, or you don't have that assurance. If you're a Christian here today, 
Are you striving? Jesus is. The church should be. Paul did. Or maybe, ooh, if you're not striving, why not? Come on, ask yourself the question. If you're not striving for the hope of the gospel, for your family at least, for your own children, if you're not striving, why not? Do you fear your children going to hell? Do you fear your own children will not raise up a godly seed and your grandchildren will go to hell? Then the next question you need to say, are you saved? Because I tell you, whose heart do you get when you get saved? Whose mind do you get when you get saved? Whose spirit do you get when you get saved? And I'd ask the next question, are you a tear? Oh, you look just like the wheat, but there's no fruit. Let's stand. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you.